If you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. So how long has it been, Atlanta? Have you gotten old and boring yet? No. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... This is Stone Gossip! Fucking camera in the truck. everybody now welcome to live on four legs a definitive live pearl jam podcast and as it stands where you're sitting right now we are a couple shows deep in on this north american tour however where it stands where we're sitting right now we've only had two shows under our belt you see and i think a lot of people that have been tuning in for the last couple weeks kind of know the itinerary for what's going on here and in two days from when we are recording this, I am hitting up to Toronto and going to go see that show and then everything else basically after that until uh, St. Louis being the end. So anything that is from Madison Square Garden, the Apollo, on and on and on, we don't know about it yet. And we had to get this kind of in the can because there's a lot to do. And then even next week in that little interim piece where it's in between Camden and MSG. We're going to have to record something else. So we'll be behind the eight ball on that. But of course, like everything else that's happened, it will be on the reaction episodes. If you are interested in joining for the reaction episodes, that's over on Patreon. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but we are talking about this stuff as it's happening in real time. So go and check that out. If you know where it is, we will give the details for that later, but this is an episode that is dedicated to one John Farrar because if you saw the city and state on the on the notification on the promo for this then you know that today's episode is Atlanta Georgia we don't have a lot of Atlanta Georgia shows to do because well haven't been there in over a decade but Yes, we're doing this one from 1998, which happens to be John's first ever show. And the reason why we're doing this today is because September 14th is John's birthday, everybody. Everybody, big happy birthday to John. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah, it's actually been about 10 years, almost to the day, since, uh, since they played Atlanta. So, uh, yeah, a couple of, couple of things going on that, uh, that make this uh, good, for, good, for, good to cover today. I'm excited. 
right. Well, we don't have to introduce everybody because we're both here and there. So, and you're over there as well. And yeah, like I, I, I just got nothing to say here except just willing to just sit back and listen to your stories. So I'm going to just let you go after it, man. I, I, you know, this is, this is one I I've known that had been on the radar that you've wanted to do for a long time, obviously. And, and we're getting to the point now where a lot of shows that both of us have been to outside of what's happening on this 2022, sh- uh, this 2022 tour is that, we don't have a lot of those left. You know, we did like the Wrigley right. stuff and we did yeah. all the MSG show shows. So there's a lot of stuff that personally we can't talk about because we've already done it. So this one, and, and honestly next week too, because next week you'll have that with me. I'll have one for the 200th episode, but uh, John, just go into it. Like the whole thing. Let's, let's preface this as 1998. You were a Pearl Jam fan, but you weren't as big of a fanatic as you were in 1994, correct? Yeah, like, um, this was kind of the culmination of of my fandom up to that point, because I, uh, you know, grew up in, in northwest Georgia, about an hour from Atlanta, and then by, by 1998, I had moved to Athens, uh, an hour the other side of Atlanta to uh, to go to college. So when when they announced this show, because obviously I'd I'd missed the the ninety four shows. I was a little too young, and so I was I was in a punk rock band at this time, and I was kind of like, you know, Pearl Jam was kind of my gateway into things like Fugazi and and the the Dead Boys from Sonic Producer and some of that stuff. So I had kind of gotten away from it like i no code was kind of the last one where i was really full in for a while and like when yield came out i i got it and i i listened to it and i liked it you know i it it kind of started this thing where like every every time they'd they'd put out an album you know binaural riot act i would kind of like i go get it and like uh listen to them for a week or so and then i'd put it on the shelf and then go back to listening to the to the punk rock or whatever I would, whatever I was doing because that's the stuff that I really got into around this time, and so this was kind of okay. Like I'll go and I'll see them and like that'll be it. Like I'll, I'll be done. I'll be I'll be over it. And I remember going to get the tickets. Ticketmaster outlet was in a a grocery store and i remember going there like you know at 10 a.m on a saturday or whatever was like the time and there's this line of people so you're waiting and like you figure out you know the limit of of four tickets or whatever so i get you know in the line and i'm you know working my way in and when once i get in the building i can see that the the little ticket master outlet the person they're like they're they were sorely understaffed the the grocery store in Athens, Georgia, was was not ready for the the surge of people wanting to buy Pearl Jam tickets. So I remember the the poor girl behind the counter, just just she's just spewing out tickets. She's like, I'm just telling it to print. It's it was just constantly spitting out tickets. Go 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 go. She's like, How many do you want? Like there there's supposed to be a limit. She was just like, I just got this thing going. Just tell me how many you want. I said, Well, just give me two. I figured like I would either find someone to go with me or I would sell it or whatever. So got my tickets ended up uh, 
selling it to uh, a guy that I went to high school with. Um, but it was they were lawn seats. It was general admission on the lawn. And this was at a venue. It's it's it was called Lakewood Amphitheater back then. It's called something else now. But it's kind of on the on the south side of Atlanta and it's really shitty venue. It's it's one of those places it's got the you know, the the concrete kind of roof on most of it and the the seats kinda of go back and then there's like a big lawn area in the back and that's where I was sitting. So, you know, this is before all the, the big screens and everything, so I'm just kinda like, okay, um, it'll be it'll be fine like i i'm not i'm not gonna try to get up close and i'm not gonna have great seats but i'll go and i'll see them and then you know that'll be it and i can i can move on so the day of the show i think i you know drove down to atlanta and i didn't know about you know getting there way ahead of time and hanging out and doing the merch line and all that stuff because i was i was about to turn what 20 i was 19 years old at this point so I, I just figured, oh, I'll just go and, like, hang out, and uh, it'll be fine. So I get there probably around 7 to the to the venue, and I'm like, okay, like, parking was a disaster. Like, obviously, there's tons of cars trying to get in. It took me about an hour, I remember, to park and and get in the, in the doors. And, you know, I had, I had known that, okay, like, Pearl Jam will – notice like if you if they see you like rocking out to the opening band or if they see you you know standing up or paying attention or you know kind of going crazy for the opening band i knew that they would like maybe hook you up with better seats and they would notice so my plan was to try to get there for mud honey and do that because i'd never seen mud honey as well i was excited to see him um but unfortunately completely missed mud honey set uh because of the i just didn't know to get there in time to get a spot and to be there and have it be part of the experience. So I ended up probably getting in between eight thirty and nine o'clock after they were already done going up on the lawn and like, you know, up with the, with the frat boys and the jocks and just like found my little spot and like, all right, here we go. And I remember, you know, people around me just being completely drunk and not paying attention and not being into it. I was just like, oh, this is like, this is not the way I pictured, you know, my my first show being. Um, but I do have some specific memories of the night. Um, there is luckily a full video of this on YouTube, so uh, I'm able to kind of watch that and remember a few things and have it have it jog the memory. But it was kind of a, it was a little bit of a bummer, you know, get leading up to it. I kind of I remember getting up to the lawn and like and seeing you know them switching over the equipment and everything like all right i made it i'm here but like let's just get through this and 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 we'll be done well look i i, I think i re- remembered that story a little wrong because i or i just kind of guessed because it's atlanta i thought you had run into some massive crazy atlanta traffic there but oh i think it was lot. yeah when you when you get yeah, because the traffic around the venue, I remember being really terrible. It took me a long time to, because I think I had to park in like a, like a grass, like floodplain, basically, like probably a mile away, and then like walk all the way to the the venue. It was it was a disaster. Oof. 
Yeah. Yeah. I know venues that you have to do that to, too. And, and going and getting in is fine, but then leaving is the absolute worst. Like, I, I there was a show yeah, that I went talk to. about that, too. Yeah, there was a show that I went to once and uh, can't even remember which venue. It was one of the same type of outdoor amphitheater, you know, grass seats and everything like that. Um, and I think that, like, it took me about two hours. And if I would have thought back then, I would have said, oh, in September of 2022, I'd still be here because that's how freaking long that that line to get out was. So, um, but yeah, like that's, that's all good story. And it kind of leads into sort of everything else that, that happened after. I, I'm just curious as to what time period was the sort of pick back up on Pearl Jam and really follow them again. Yeah, it was, it was more probably 2003, 2004. Once they started getting a little more political and the definitely getting like the bootlegs from 2003, like state college and Mansfield, that was, that was big for me to be like, okay, like they're, they're playing some, some stuff they don't usually play. And like the, the, the live thing really took on, uh, the, the focus at that point. But for a lot of times, and this will, this will come back later when we, when we talk about the show, like, I was all into to punk rock, like Lookout Records, um, Epitaph, all that stuff. Like this was kind of like the end because I just kind of just kind of done. Like I, nineteen years old, I'm like, okay, that was like when I was a kid, and um, I'm into like better music now, and this this will kind of be the end. I remember, you know, because I mentioned I was in a band, and like the the guy that I started the band with, he was a big Metallica fan. And we had kind of like made this pact of like, okay, you, we're gonna we're gonna lose this stuff. Like, if you will sell your Metallica CDs, I'll sell my Pearl Jam CDs, and we'll we'll move on and we'll 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 make a make a clean break and we'll we'll start fresh. Because I hated Metallica, he hated Pearl Jam. Whenever we talk about it, be like, oh, you, this, you suck. Like, <laughs> so that was kind of our deal. It was like, okay, so you do that. Let's just love Black Flag. Yeah, exactly, and. uh you know, ended up, you know, still going back in and getting getting into the vinyl stuff. But I, I did. I remember selling all my uh, Pearl Jam CDs to a record store in Athens, and I remember bringing them in, and the guy was like, "Oh, it looks like you got some you got some history here." I'm like, "Yep, you know, clean break, moving on, you, you know, just just doing it." So, um, luckily the uh, the the CDs have not held their value. Didn't didn't lose much by that, but shortly after that, you know, started started getting into the vinyl stuff and uh, and uh, made that made that my thing for a long time. But yeah, I'm, I mean that that's kind of my frame of mind is like getting into the show, feeling kind of bummed out that I'm out on the lawn, like looking down at the front at like quote unquote like the real fans who are getting up close and having a having a better time than I was and thinking like oh this is probably going to suck. Well, I what I I I can't transition out of that because I like <laughs> it's it's just going to find its way once we get into the set. But before we do get into the set, I I think we got to talk about the sound check, man. Obviously, you were nowhere close to being there for the nowhere sound check. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you had gone back to Five Horizons and been like, oh, that's what happened. I don't I'm know sure, if you yeah. did any of yeah. that. But 
we have to kind of say this here. So soundcheck in this was low light, which hadn't been played live yet and wouldn't be played for another three years. No way, which had only been played once and it'll come back later. Parting ways, which was played at that Barcelona soundtrack uh, soundcheck and not seen until 2000 after the album comes out, obviously dead man, two times with drums. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, now everybody take a hint on this because we got the five song starter here. So maybe we can interpret this into a set at some point. A slower version of blood. Hashtag acoustic blood. (laughs) Please. I just want to see how it's executed. Yeah, I really wish there was a really wish there was a recording of this. That that would be real cool. I wish I had been there to to hear it. And then at the end, it's just a regular version of I Got Shit, a song that they play often. And, just just you know. a regular version of one of their best songs. Yeah. 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 No big deal. No oh, big deal. But yeah, a little a little bit of that conversation is going to come back later when we do get into No Way, which will be a big part of the story. However, I think we can get into the main set here. What do you say? Well, you ready? Real quick, is, is, is this the first time Low Light was soundchecked too? Is this like the, the first I... time they even attempted it? Honestly, don't know. That would yeah. take a little bit more searching than I actually did, but yeah. I I would I would guess that maybe they tried it, you know, once in in Australia and then maybe once on the other leg as well. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly, but possibly though, you never know. Never know, right? Okay. We started off the set with a song that's only started off the set four times in their history. It's Hell Hell. getting a pretty rare opener as you're getting to the show but hell hell i think that you, you mentioned like the punk rock songs you were there for the punk rock stuff and right off the bat there's no release there's no long road there's no sometimes you're getting exactly what you came there for oh yeah and i and i mentioned you know i was kind of in a in a bummed out mood when i got there but this this turned it around real quick yeah hell hell probably one of my favorite songs if not my favorite pearl jam song at that point so yeah absolutely absolutely and at this point completely changed like okay this is gonna this is gonna be all right this this could be pretty cool if they're gonna if they're gonna start with ALL. yeah it's uh it's good and energetic and setting a different tone than the songs that i had mentioned before there's a great ed yell too there's a there's a good scream in the middle of it too there's great screams from Ed all over the oh, yeah. show. I think that's that's setting the tone for that. But Hail Hail was also one that was played every single night on this tour. So they're very high on it at this point. They weren't high on a lot of no-code stuff, but Hail Hail seemed to be the one definite keeper. 
after the 1996 tour and everything like that. But uh, it's a, it's a crowd favorite too. I, I would imagine that the crowd was really responsive to this. Yeah, I remember seeing you know people moving around and obviously they look like ants from the from the lawn where I was. But I remember yeah being being pretty jealous of the people who who were up front. Then after that, you're uh, you're grabbing three songs in a row here. There's not a lot of talking until a little bit later, so we're just kind of bunching things up as we go. We got Animal, Given a Fly, Evolution. Um, Animal was another one where I thought that you know the vocals just sounded really really good here, and and Stone's having a moment with Jeff, and Stone sounding really really good on it. And then you have the the two Yield songs, and I'm curious because you kind of said, yeah, I liked Yield, but, you know, it was time for me to move on. So I'm curious as to giving a fly and do the evolution where you stood, and I might ask you this for all of these Yield songs here. Like, where did you stand on the record in general and your enjoyment of it? Like, did you actually enjoy individual songs, or did you listen to it once and said, okay, that's fine, and move on? I definitely, I definitely liked some of the songs. I think by that point I was getting into the more of the weirder stuff. Like I liked Push Me Pull Me. Uh, I liked MFC because um, it was a little faster, had a little bit more energy to it. Um, but yeah, Given the Fly and Do the Evolution, I think it was more like okay, like sure, these are, these are fine, but that's not really like what I was into at the time. But I. You know, I do like this version of Do the Evolution a lot. I think um, you, you get to see Ed dancing a little bit, which he wasn't doing a lot around this time. I'm not, I don't was kind of in that, like, you know, I'm just going to be still and, and do the thing. But um, going back, I think it was, it was more, I was definitely wanting to hear more of the no-code stuff. And, like, that was what I was into at the time. Like, no-code, some of the Vitalogy stuff, which, which we get. Um, but yeah, given the plastic, especially the, the dude, the evolution video was kind of like, oh, I made a video like, eh, whatever. Like, yeah, my, my, that, that was me in 1998 at my, you know, punk rock holier than now, uh, height. But yeah, I mean, looking back on it, given the fly is really bouncy. It's a really good version. Uh, stone has a great solo and do the evolution.
Yeah, I, I thought that both of these in terms of performance wise. And again, I think Ed, you know, it's hard to go through a show and say, well, Ed's the standout on this because that's like it's right in your face. You don't need to go looking for that. But I thought in this show, especially like in the very, very, very early going, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, hey, this is this is a better, better than usual Ed show. This is very, very good performance from him. And, you know, 1988 is going to have this. But given a fly and do the evolution in 1998, he's going for it there. He's got the intense vote, especially on given a fly, which after a certain point, he wouldn't have that sort of bite on his vocals. He would just kind of do it more like a pop song in a way. But yeah, I, I this is this is more of Ed just kind of leaving it all out there, and uh, that's a, it's a good show for that. So that's why Ed kind of is the standout from the early going. Do do you agree with that, or do you think somebody else had no? Yeah, the moment? I, I agree. Yeah. The next ones are Dissident into Corduroy. But Dissident was really tight. And, you know, getting up to the end, like, they really start to pick it up and they really start to kind of bring an edge to it near the end. And Ed has, it, it kind of forces his hand. He has no choice but to go for it on that last line that we talk about sometimes. And, you know, also Cameron, just listening to Cameron on Corduroy in this, it's like the differences between what him and Jack did. And Jack was not building in that intro, but just kind of like pacing it out and then exploding and that's what jack did but matt is is slowly building and he's kind of bringing that arena atmosphere with the song that just just to this day is the stand the gold standard of it and yeah it's it's a very very good performance you hear ed in the middle of it and he's giving the crowd encouragement he's like let's go let's go and a really powerful ending on it i'm gonna guess that from what I know about you, that you really like Corduroy and Dissident, not so much. Right? Yeah, I remember uh, Dissident starting and being like, oh, "Okay, like time to time to sit down and and take a breather while while this one's happening." Because again, I'm so far back. I feel like I have no connection to this show really. Um, but I do remember the opening notes of Corduroy starting and being like, "Yes, like this is one of the ones that I wanted to hear." and being really into that sounded really good and there's yeah a really good jam on it during the during the solo at the end and that was that was one of the first parts you know you always say like that's when you know you're at a pearl jam show i kind of had that experience too where like okay here's you know the first song from vitology that they played and it's like okay like this this piqued my interest a little bit like okay i'm into it now here we go yeah i think that kind of ties into what i was saying about cameron is that I don't know if you have that moment necessarily when Jack plays it of like, oh, I'm at a Pearl Jam show. It's, oh, this is another song in the set and it sounds really good. But Cameron, the little bits and pieces that he puts into it and how he kind of makes it a little bit more dramatic in a way, like that's where Corduroy starts to be that kind of song that is unforgettable in that aspect.
Yeah, he's he's more of a of kind of a theatrical drummer like that. He knows we we talked about that, you know, last week when we talked about present tense and things like that. Like he knows when to when when those moments are coming and how to accent them and make them special. Yeah, I agree. All right, the next one I know that you're going to love, and then the one afterwards, it's going to be another Yield song, which you didn't mention before and doesn't really fit in with the whole I love punk rock kind of thing that you were going for at the time. But let's, uh, I have a feeling that I Got Shit is going to be one of the things that you were thinking about before this show. And I, I, I have to think that after Corduroy being all juiced up, that this one felt really good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. One of my, one of my absolutely favorite songs, even back then. And, I remember thinking like, oh, okay, if they're if similar to Hail Hail, like, oh, if they're gonna do this, then this could be pretty cool. I remember definitely like singing along as loud as I could on on this one, and yeah, just an incredible performance, back to back off a quarter. I think this is one of the best like one two songs of the night. I yeah, I remember absolutely loving this. Yeah, there's there's some cool little aspects about this. The little ditty in the beginning. And I think it might have been like Ed just waiting for everybody to get ready, but you kind of hear that little bit of a spark that before the riff comes in to start the song and you're kind of like, Oh, is this a little tease? What are we getting here? What are we getting? And then it finally goes and I got shit and like, Oh, that's, that's, that's a good moment. of lyric changes in the show too and one of them that we get which is you know i think he changes this lyrics more often nowadays to i got questions i don't know who the fuck i'm ever gonna ask and this one is i got questions i know who i'm not gonna ask so really good version of i got shit and again going back to his voice with stuff like animal and evolution uh his voice is top notch on i got shit too this is this was excellent um, and then, uh, you're going to get into wishlist. This is one I'm curious about cause you like wishlist. Now I don't see you being a big wishlist fan back then though. So what was this like? Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it gets a big crowd reaction. And I, this is one that I really don't don't remember you know i don't really have a first-hand memory of of hearing it so i think after i got shit it was more like okay here you know here's a little time for a little break again um yeah i don't remember being being big into this one but uh, nothing wrong with it just uh just not one of the ones that i was like super into at the time after the Ebo stuff, like the band kind of lays out for Ed, and he gives the uh, and they give him that moment where it's just a really nice, like sweet ending to it.
And I thought that that was nice. And they were kind of playing around. They would either do it that way in 98 or they would just do the jump back in. That sounds really good and kind of get back to the pace of the song, which is excellent. And it's kind of like a almost a startle a little bit that you don't know it's coming. It's very good. But yeah, th- this one this one sounded very sweet. This one sounded like he was kind of going for that sort of demeanor and uh, and it worked for it. So yeah, very good. Now you're at the even flow section Another, like, lyrical flub, I shouldn't say another, but, uh, you know, you have to listen to to him in, like, the middle of a verse. He kind of drops his shoulders as to say, oh, what can you do? He misses the first line of uh, the second verse yep. and just kind of looks and he's like, oh, well, yep, I'm going to do that again or I've done that before. So, but uh, this was very short. This is probably outside of 1991 and 1992, probably one of the shortest even flows that I can remember. The thing I remember about this is there was a group of people out on the lawn next to me and they were like slam dancing or they had like a little, yeah, they had a little like little mosh pit back on the lawn. I remember thinking like, oh, that's so dumb. Like you're so far away. And I'm, one of the guys like looked at me and was like, come on, like join us, join us. And I was like, oh, if they play Sonic Reducer, I will, but but not not for even flow. It just it just seemed ridiculous to me. But yeah, the just looking around and and the, this was the one that, that got everybody on the lawn excited and uh just kind of like taking it in, like, okay, it's cool. Again, this is my first show. I've never heard any of these songs before. So I'm kinda like, okay, I'm just checking it out, like, okay, this is pretty cool. Like, oh, even flow, no problem. I remember this song. But again, not it, it. There it would be. It'd be a couple more before I really get back into it. Even flow is kind of what you said. It's the it's that slam dance kind of mentality from the jock section, and I don't think you really get that crowd in anymore, which is good because you know it's it's. Well, you you get the idiots that are crowd surfing during Nothing Man, but you don't get like the intense pits for the most part, except for maybe in festivals. And even so it's, it's sort of died at this point, which is fine. Let it, let it just let it die. All right. You're getting into a pretty good back to back here in, in hiding and last exit. And I thought in hiding was very, very good. Ed was asking for some help on the chorus though. And I guess I couldn't hear the crowd that well. So, do you remember this, or do you remember, like, going back and listening to it, do you have, like, a a better sense of what the crowd was doing on that? I don't remember them being super loud. Um, Yeah, you can see him, like, he holds his throat. You can tell, he's like, oh, you know, I'm feeling feeling a little bit. Um, Again, I was so far away that, like, you know, everyone was in front of me, pretty much. So... I don't think this is like, you know, and again, this may have, you know, we can talk about the the 94 show and he will as well. He'll mention it a couple of times, but it felt like this one was, was not that like it. And I think there, that even gets mentioned on, uh, the five horizons review that the person did. It's like crowd was not maybe as, as up for this as some of the other, some of the other shows have been which which is which is sad because like you know i wish i had been closer i wish i had been 
up front, you know, to have more of an impact and to, I would have been definitely like more into it. And, you know, all the shows, you know, after this, uh, I, I didn't see another show until they came back to Atlanta in 2012. So uh, basically 14 years of, of no Pearl Jam. So when I went back, got back into it, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get closer. Like I want to be up front and experience this. And I was able to, to get a lot more GA after that. But just being kind of so disassociated from it being so far away definitely affected it for me because I was used to like going to see punk rock bands and being up close and being part of the show and that's what I wanted to that's what I wanted to get here and I really couldn't because just being so far away but um, I like In Hiding I think that's one of the it's kind of one of the the deep cuts on Yield that I really really liked thought it was good but Last Exit again is, is the one that that gets me back into it because you can't it's undeniable when those when those drums start I mean I was I was back into it at that point another one that I really really remember liking yeah in, in in hiding you have to think it's the 22nd time that it's being played they hadn't like gone to Atlanta and seen that Atlanta could prove themselves there wasn't a night one and a night two for this like there was in 1994 yeah. so like you can't expect for the crowd to take a deep cut which i think this is like 12th on the album i think this is like the 11th or 12th song something like that and you can't expect them to just be on top of it like because it's not it, it needs time especially at that time when they they weren't doing boots and uh, you know as, as they were the the next tour year in 2000 i think that's at the time like everybody's saying okay here's what to do during these songs and here's the parts that we love it's it's just not there yet so maybe he was just kind of just giving it to him to get that little bit of break because he knew he didn't want to hit that at that point but and i'm sure the people up front probably did help out and did do it but yeah i'm sure i was like on the lawn like I i don't i don't remember there being a big swell of of you know crowd noise singing along Last Exit was very good, as you mentioned. It had a, a little echoey sound on Mike's solo. I thought it kind of sounded pretty cool. And also another like line change here. This is this is your Last Exit. So he's changing a lot of those kind of lines to pertain to the crowd, to pertain to uh, something else. But it, it's, uh, it's every few songs here, it's something different. Yeah, it seemed like they were in kind of a, a relaxed kind of mood, you know, this... Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's not one of these you know shows that has a lot of tension and you know things like that. You know he's he's been pretty crowd friendly and dancing around a lot, and the, it felt like they were they were having fun. I mean, a relaxed mood and fun. I don't think having a different mood on stage would lead you into this next moment because uh, this is <laughs> going to be something here. I before before I kind of guide through this, had you ever heard of the Easty Girls before? Oh, of course. You had, oh, no, I, I, band. I had this record. Yeah. And Lookout Records. Cause I was re- like, I mentioned, I was, I was getting really into Lookout, really into, I to ask some of the discord, like some of the, some of the more underground stuff. Like that's what I was into. And yeah, I, I had the Yeasty Girls record. I definitely had heard of them. Like this was, this is the moment for me or I'm like, oh my God, I wish I was closer. Like, I wish I had been up front. Cause yeah, I know I knew this song. Like I still have this record to this day, and yeah, the Yeasty Girls, uh, an acapella uh, rap group from uh, from Berkeley, 
uh, Gilman Street uh, time, you know, or late 80s, early 90s. And, you know, the record probably has seven or eight songs on it. Um, it's very, you know, feminist and pro-women and that thing. And, like, yeah, it was, I was super into this. And this was the part where I just freaked out back there, like, oh, my God, I can't believe that this is happening. And he was like, you know, oh, I know none of you ever heard of this. It's like, no, not and like, no, no, me, I, I have, no, <laughs> me, back here. And for years, Jocks you know, I you, puzzled. Jocks are looking at you, puzzled. That's right. Like, oh yeah, what the fuck? And you know, for years, I had always would always fantasize about if I ever got to meet them, I would. If I ever got to meet Ed, I would be like, "You remember that Yeasty Girls thing? I was in the crowd. I had that record. Don't underestimate your audience like that." <laughs> because yeah, I was. Oh my god, I I just lost my shit when this play because I just could not believe that Pearl Jam was talking about the Yeasty Girls. It just blew my mind. You know, there was a band in, uh, actually, uh, San Francisco. I know you never heard of them, but it was a little compilation. I think it was Gilman Street, which I think is the same scene that Branson uh, so dubiously came out of, uh, came forth from. But anyways, they were called the Yeasty Girls. The Yeasty Girls. You ever hear them? You know, they didn't, they didn't really break into the top ten, but uh, uh, I remember one of the verses. Uh, Matt, do you want to give me like a little, uh, a little beat? We're the yeasty girls, and we got yeast power. We don't shave our armpits, and we don't shower. We don't say thank you, and we don't say please. Put things in our vaginas that you wouldn't Yeah, just like maybe the most obscure thing that they've ever done on stage. I can't think of anything that that would beat this. Um, maybe like Walking the Cow at the time. No, that pe- more people know Walking the Cow than than know the Easty Girls. This might be the ultimate OTOTO. Like there is never ever a chance that that they would ever do something like this again like an an all-girl feminist acapella rap group from 10 years prior on the other side of the country and they're covering a song they only released one seven inch it's not available anywhere else you have to have the record it wasn't on cd and you know the reason they're doing it is because like he mentions the next night the the beastie boys were playing at this this venue and and he didn't even i don't think he mentioned this but rancid was opening up for the beastie boys on that tour and i think they came he did mention rancid he said because it was gilman street yeah so he mentioned rancid i don't know if people just kind of put two and two together or what but yeah they they were opening right but i remember wanting to go to that but like obviously couldn't go to both um didn't have didn't have the money for that but um yeah i think the story is like ed and and I think Stone was on the side of the stage. I forget if it was this show or another one on this tour where he was like 
on the side of the stage singing along to all the rancid lyrics. So, uh, Oh, you know what? I think that's when Rancid, that's when Rancid opened for them in West Palm beach. Right. That was, that was the end of the tour. Right. Um, that's a cool story, but yeah, this just blew my fucking mind. Like I, I was just in a, like they're doing this. I'm here. I have this record and I'm not up front. Like, I th- I thought about this for years. Like if I had been up front, I could have been like I could have freaked out, and he would have brought me on stage, and like I could have sang it with him. Like that was what was going on in my head. Like, man, you wanted a lot out of this show for the your ultimate show. missed opportunity. Well, I was just it was such a like like I said it was it was such a bummer leading up to it. Like I was just kind of like oh you know whatever, and then this happens at the show that I'm going to, and I'm like well this is fate like. I'm the only person here that knows this. And like going back on the bootleg, like, I don't know, you can hear some people yelling and stuff. Maybe there was a couple of people who I mean, just were familiar. Just because it's yeasty were, girls. Right, right. I don't know how many people in that crowd actually had that record. Probably not very many. But I definitely did. So if if anyone, if Ed, if you were listening to this, I had that record. Don't underestimate your audience like that. Well, I can't add anything to that. I, I don't have the credentials to, and all we got to hear was was his little rap. But good for him to to bring it up, and you know, Matt put a beat on it and everything like that. And yeah. and I remember too. I think for a moment on on Five Horizons, I remember going back and looking, and like they they didn't know it. It just says like it's just parentheses Yeasty Girl song. Yeah, right. And for the longest time, like they, I'd be like, no, it's like. But I didn't know how to get in, in touch with them. So I was like, no, it's like Yeast Power. Like, that's the name of the song. And, like, I think even the the stat tracker for a long time had just Yeasty Girl song. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, like, no, that you got to get the name of the song on there. So shout out to, again, another shout out to Dave from Life Footsteps, who actually has it listed correctly as Yeast Power. Um, Good job, Dave. Well done. All right, so after all that, he kind of takes the mood down for two seconds and says, This is what it's like to be uh, my best friend. Off he goes. Uh, I thought Off he goes was very good. I thought MFC that followed Off he goes was very good. I think that they're just going song after song after song after song here and just keep raising the bar in a way. And Off he goes was kind of like a nice little, you know, pace changer in this because you have a few heavy hitters in a row like you know Even Flow and In Hiding and Last Exit very very powerful and very kind of upbeat. And now off he goes. You're you're sort of kind of getting a lot of eb- ebbs and flows in here and giving room to build. And you know you don't really have a song like that in this set uh, at this point. So now that they go into something like this, this is no code. This is kind of stuff that you were waiting for. I don't believe there's another no code song in this set. So how are you feeling about it? Oh, incredible! And again, like 
you know, I've, I've mentioned a lot of the the harder, faster punk rock stuff. No, uh, no code is the the exception to that. I wanted to hear as much off of no code as possible, uh, but we only did get the two. Uh, I this I remember this being just fantastic. I think he says like, oh, you know, this is what it's like to be my best friend. Um, this off he goes, I think is is one of the best versions, and. I wish that this had been included on the on the live on two legs. I don't think there is anything from this show um, no. on that, but this would be the, this is the one I think one of the just absolute standout performances. I think it's this version of Off He Goes. I think it's perfect. MFC following up on that, and you teased something last week about MFC and uh, how good the gnaws were on this version and I was waiting for it. I was listening to it. I was listening to it. See, Hmm. Let's, let's see if he's right or wrong. And, uh, well, you were right. They are fantastic here. Got a little extra bite in them there. And, uh, you can see like just stone bouncing along in that, in that intro, that riff. Yeah. The this little combo here off he goes in MSC another really good part of the show maybe maybe up there with the, my my favorite part I I definitely remember this part as well because MFC started and I'm like oh this is one of the ones that I like like this is one of my favorite ones off this record and I'm being being excited to hear yeah it sounded very atmospheric and just kind of like you know the 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 notes in the beginning definitely draw you in and you know now nowadays i think it's kind of like let's play it at full speed let's see how fast we can go with it but but here when you're able to kind of just let it breathe a little bit i think that's where the song really kind of capitalizes and sounds very good all right uh i can lock all three of these together i got a little on one a lot on another and then somewhat <laughs> on the last uh, better man into brain of J into a live I had literally like this is the radio cut of Better Man. It really didn't get that exciting. It kind of stayed the way that Better Man was in that kind of 1996 sort of swing. And there's no tag on it or anything like that. It's definitely not like the key song in the set list like it is today. There, there's no big moments. There's no building. There's no um there's no anthemic part of it it's just all right can't find a better man and there we go i didn't think much of it it felt like they were trying to to recapture a little bit of that you know fox theater magic because i'm sure he's he's making the set list he's in atlanta you know that performance from from april 3rd 94 part of that performance ended up being used on the studio version like part of that show is on that is on vitalogy on this song so i think this was part of like okay like we'll play this song because this is kind of the the song for here and you know that that was kind of the first you know great version that people heard and really got into it so i think this is yeah i think they just it's just they play it pretty straight like you said it's just like let's try to let's see if we can we can you know capture that magic in a bottle again yeah, but the one thing they didn't do is they didn't change up that drum beat in the intro because that is kind of the rolling beat that that this story sort of started with, the same way that Ed kind of came out of Bad Radio doing it. So, yeah. you know, they didn't go back to that, and obviously, I don't think at that point they could. It, it's been out for like four years, so yeah, you get it. But um, yeah, I, I want to talk about Brandon J. 
because I always want to talk about this song. And hopefully by the time you're listening to this, I would have gotten it in Toronto or MSG and, you know, then kind of got to relax for the rest of the tour or something like that. So, you know, here's here's hoping and crossing the fingers and all that. But yeah, this, of course, is just, yes, absolutely just put this on, let it inject into your veins. And I don't, you know, I, I went and I checked about Brain of Jay into a live because I thought that that is, that's not something I've seen before because this is the only one that ever exists the brain of jay going into a live you know big big surprise there but yeah intensity and stone's got big moment in solo and you know interesting that it's the primer for a live like you don't think of this as being and maybe in this era yeah it was a little bit in 1998 that it was one of the ones that they played a lot more off of yield than say nope, almost every night right 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 more than pilot it's more than no way it's more than a lot of those faithful and yeah and it works and it works with the crowd like this is the punk rock you wanted to go for yep i i remember this one as well when it started being like oh cool because obviously the lead track off of yield has that amazing intro and yeah i mean i'm still riding that high off of off of yeast power i'm like i'm all in at this point like i'm having a great time now and yeah, get getting brain of Jay. I mean, you can if, if I was there, you know, I'd, I'd let you touch me because I because I got it in my first show. Um, but yeah, it's it, it was it was really cool to hear and just a killer version. Like going back on and listening to it again. Like yeah, Stone has a has a great show here as well. Especially just shines on those on those yield tracks. closing out the main set i think you kind of know that it was going to be part of of the set list somewhere and this is kind of probably telling you in your mind like okay well here's the first part of it's done but yeah uh i thought that ed actually really went after it on this version like i didn't really expect him to sort of lash out like that but he did and it sounded really good and there's also like uh, the part where you know now we know it as the sarcastic you know is there something wrong she said and i think he changed the lyrics if i'm not mistaken to of course she is
at this point it's so weird with the song because it's going it's going on these upticks and it's going like okay 1996 down on it the, the jack era ed at least was really down on this song i know that stone wanted to play it because it is one of the hits and that's really one he wants to emphasize but it's down on it here matt comes in and you want to pick it back up with matt because this is something that's really in his wheelhouse and then right after this in 2000 they're going to be down with it again and it just has this like real weird stock market kind of crashing upwards and then you know rising uh in this era or in this kind of section of this era um and i think that this was part of the uptick this was part of uh the 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 time where they were high on on a lie for sure yeah i think the 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 ending of it gets to a really good place and the there is a little war pigs uh tag from mike as well which is cool but yeah this is another one i don't i don't really have a have a specific first-hand memory of but it i think this is one that you know everybody's singing along to and doing doing the whole thing and i'm like oh you know this is not my favorite i wish they would play you know hard to imagine or some you know some obscure i was i was hoping to get more angel but exactly you wanted um, angel uh, all of it yeah yeah um, but yeah, looking back on it, it's, uh, yeah, it's a perfectly good version. Probably, probably one of the, with the better ones from that year. All right. We have hit this little encore section. Time to pause for station identification. Talk a little bit about Patreon. And as we've been mentioning for the last couple of weeks and, and where we stand right now, as we mentioned, it's been a little bit earlier than recording an episode wise on our schedule than usual, obviously for obvious reasons. And if you had joined to this point, you know, it's probably about nine days before the episode comes out. Then we'll add you in for next week's and we'll give you a shout out on next week's and we'll figure out then, or maybe even after that, because we have to record next week's earlier as well. If we had hit our 200 for 200, but that's what we're still aiming for in our goal. And we're very, very close guys. We're in, we're right next to the one nineties. I think we're at one eighty nine right now. So if 11 more people wanted help, wanted to pitch in. That's where we are with this. And and as mentioned before, all of the live reaction episodes, instant reaction are on Patreon and we've been doing all of them. And now, although we haven't actually had the Toronto show at this time, but I believe the plan is that at Toronto and everything else that we're at, that we'll do an instant reaction right from the building and really get it a, a, instantly so i think the plan is that and that should be all exciting stuff to hear and i'll be all over social media posting stuff and maybe going live and doing this and that with with the shows and and footage and things like that so hopefully that's stuff that you're all taking in and you're all enjoying because uh that's the kind of stuff i love doing and yeah for patreon right now that's 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 the hot thing and then we'll go back into doing a little bit more on the evolution side we'll go back into doing a little bit more on the tv series and things like that so if you do want to contribute and help out the show and this month is very important because it's going to a lot of our tour expenses like food like taking ubers like gas money and everything of that kind of ilk that's kind of outside of you know the 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 concert itself and outside of air air uh, outside of uh taking planes and hotels and things like that because we spent so much money uh, on that we just need a little bit of help for extra so that's what we've been saving for and hopefully you guys can pitch in just a dollar a month that's all that we ask for and really 
it, it it's you know we don't care as much about the money we just want to get you the content and we put it on there because yes we do need a little bit of the funding in order to keep moving on and keep doing this but we just hope that you guys are really excited about the content so this is how you can join and this is the tiers that you can join on i mentioned one dollar leg that's the bonus leg you join on that and you will get all the content we'll give you a little shout out on the show and you will hopefully get to enjoy everything because that's what we aim to do is to give you the content to enjoy and then the giga leg tier which is five dollars a month and on, and just to, to to mention this that all of the tiers you can decide to pay for a year in advance so you can pay for the whole entire year and that's discounted based off of what you would actually pay for a whole entire year if you did it monthly so if you wanted to look into that definitely look into that if it's going to save you money absolutely uh but the gigaleg tier is going to get you a requested episode and get to tell your story on the show so looking forward to getting to a lot more of those as as time goes on i know that right now we were kind of having some episodes there like last week and last couple weeks where we were focusing on these locations and now we'll uh we'll start to get focused on you know getting your stories in and we're real excited to do that and then our final tier is the horizon leg tier for ten dollars a month that goes into our website project you get to have a profile on live on for legs.com and you also get to have a profile episode on patreon which is a free episode for everybody but the platform over is patreon and you basically what it is is you're telling your pearl jam story talk about all your favorite live moments talk about you know what songs inspire you and everything like that so that's a little added bonus and then you do get a requested episode just like the giggle egg tier but it will get bumped up in the line and for those episode requests man don't request stuff like Mansfield and and the ballpark shows because either we already have plans to do them or we've already done them. So the ones that you want to request are like the the little guys. Like honestly, this show here, Atlanta '98, this would be considered like a little guy. So if you have those kind of shows from locations that we never do, and you're living down and who knows, like in Kentucky or maybe in Missouri or Utah, wherever it is. And you're like, man, these guys, these guys don't cover my area too much. Think about that. If you want your stuff covered on our show, that's the best way to do it. So it's patreon.com slash live on four legs. Go to the Patreon app and search for live on four legs. That will get you the stuff over there or go to live on four legs.com. The best place to find the concertpedia recaps this tour and just click the orange become a patron button and that will help us out as well. We got two people to thank this week. And it's obviously coming off of a lot of Canadian shows, so we have two Canadian members to thank, both to the bonus leg tier. So let's thank Jenna LaRocque, and let's also thank Trevor Hills. Both of you. Great. Nice. I'm hope- Thanks, guys. Hope you guys are enjoying That's the great. stuff, and obviously we just had four shows in Canada, so hopefully that you guys got to go to those and guys got to enjoy those. So um thank you so much for for joining in and yeah if you want to be like jenna and trevor just hop on head on over to our patreon platform and uh you're on the team as well yeah i want just everybody real quick um if you're not familiar you know if you haven't been to live on four legs.com uh if you just go there right now you can click on podcast episodes the menu it's all right there there's a there's a tab for patreon exclusives You've got 2022 tour reactions, late night series, evolution series, bridge school series, 
Devo series, the Setless Draft episodes, you can see everything that's on there that that you would have access to by by joining the the Patreon for one dollar a month. That's just hours and hours and hours of content that we're still adding to. Um, so that'll give you kind of a taste if you're if you're new to Patreon, like the people that signed up this week. That's a good place to start to to get a to get started on everything that that you missed out on up until now to kind of go back and and check some of that stuff out some of the stuff we've done previously and even if you're if you're if you're thinking about joining patreon like go to that go to the website take a look and see what you would you'd have access to if you joined up i think it's you know it's a really good uh good uh place on the website where we have everything collected you can just check it out right there and uh yeah it's just really easy to get to so um I hope all those uh, th- definitely thanks to our new patrons and hope they get a chance to do that and check out all the that content over there. We promise that none of it sucks. That's all. <laughs> that's the only promise that we can have. We we don't say that we promise that you won't enjoy it because we like the content. Not everybody else is going to love content as much as we do, but we promise it won't suck from that aspect. So if you like things that don't suck, then head on over and and check out and what we have to offer because there's a lot of it there's a lot to go around all right back to the rock coming in for encore number one and you're gonna open up with go so another big fast song and bring an energy right back to the stage after a pretty high energy first set and you know this is this is the moment here where like that last screaming section before the last chorus ed gets ahead of himself and like really gets on top of it and then Matt swings in and has this incredible fill out of nowhere. This this is this is a very good version. After after last week's go of Ed's kind of drunken shenanigans, uh, we're right, we're getting right. we're getting a classic kind of version of go here. Yeah, this definitely felt you know ferocious, just like they were trying to tear apart the stage, especially you know coming out for an encore to start off with. This is like yeah, everybody's paying attention now. Um, yeah, really really good version. I remember being really excited for this. Okay, now I think this is probably the talking point of the night outside of the Yeasty Girls when you're thinking about, you know, things that don't happen in other shows too often. Ed gets to talking, which he did not talk to the crowd a whole lot in this night, and he says, I think I recognize this guy in front. Okay, I think I recognize this one guy. He's come to a few shows and he keeps holding up the same damn sign. 
And uh, I never want to see this fucking sign again, so. You asked for it. said play no way and that kind of you know they checked it on the show and and this was outside of i got shit this was the only song that they checked that they actually played in the show and as we mentioned low light got checked at the show as well and there is a note on five horizons saying that somebody else had a sign saying to play low light and ed i guess probably because i didn't hear him say the words no he probably just kind of shook his head or something like that yeah like saw it off the microphone and yeah some right uh, people up front knew what knew what it was but i had no idea back in the back sure 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 and it kind of goes back to that like the one of the big storylines that we like to talk about for this era is that there's so many off of this album that once matt came in they decided not to to teach him those. They decided no way was left off, and I think no way was more of a. They were gonna leave it off anyway. It seemed it seemed like nobody was on the same page with this song, and I, you know, I have thoughts of why, but I don't can't really explain and can't really sort of you know make a an excuse for it. And then low light didn't get played at all. Pilot barely. All Those Yesterdays is going to come up in a little while, but barely on that one, too. Push Me, Pull Me. like Almost, almost never. never. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're getting, like, out of all those, I think that this is the rarest song from that record to hear. And, you know, they, they, they've kind of gotten to a groove where uh, nowadays, All Those Yesterdays will come up every now and again. 
push me pull me had like a little bit of a resurgence in the 2010s like 2010 mm -hmm. 20, 2009 2010 2011 kind of deal and i think that bumped it up a little bit but for a while it had only been playing like three or four times yeah and it's, it's gone again i don't think it's, it hasn't shown up recently probably yeah. not yeah we're probably not getting that anytime soon the only other time that you can think about is probably milwaukee and yeah. then there's no way which this is the second performance of all time out of 12 it's damn near impossible to get this song we haven't even covered this more than half the times i don't think yep. it's it's pretty rare to get oh yeah it disappeared after 98 until 2009 yeah and then it hasn't been played since yield walkie i yeah I, i'm not surprised about that but going yeah. 11 years without it that's um I, I feel like they never gave it the fair chance that it deserved yeah i think only, that only three times this is a good song and maybe it's to them a good studio song that they didn't know how to translate well and from listening to this version i thought that yeah i, th I thought it was really good i thought you know the riff had a yep. good bite to yep. it you know ed's doing some hand motions during longitude latitudes that mm -hmm. was fun and he's doing some cool guitar stuff too like he's like doing some little that surprised me picking on the guitar thing like yeah he has a guitar on for this that was that was definitely surprising but yeah this pretty faithful version one of the rare moments where he's playing guitar on a song that he didn't write. Like how yep. often does yep. that happen? You know, yep. hard to imagine. We found out recently that that's something that he would do, but well, almost never. So I wonder if they kind of thought that the song needed a little bit of that. Like it needed a little bit, something extra because they thought it was hollow or something. I have no idea. Yeah. But for it being only the, the second performance. And I, I remember like, thinking oh this is this is cool like this is gonna be this is gonna be one to remember like i remember they 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 haven't been doing this at all so i remember thinking like yeah this is this is pretty cool that, that we're getting this right here and it's not a train wreck like they as opposed to you know something like low light which i which they sound checked and then obviously went nope that's not working you know put it back on the shelf no way probably sounded pretty good in soundcheck. So they were like, yeah, let's go with it. And the guy had a sign, obviously 10 days later, the signs would become a big deal again, people calling for songs. So they were, they definitely, uh, definitely had that, had that on their mind. They're definitely being, being fan friendly and listening to people with, with signs in the crowd. Cause yeah, uh, kudos to that guy wherever you are for uh for following them around and, and keeping that sign going he got actually got what he what he wanted to hear which is cool but um yeah it's just i you know for a long time i felt really special like oh yeah that that was one of my shows that, that we got no way at until you know 2009 when they brought it back brian horowitz would have your head because that's something that <laughs> <laughs> you for brandon J and him for no way out you guys are going to be uh guys are going to be on my at my throat. Who, who needs faithful? Who needs faithful in there? So we can fill the whole album of just people yeah, yeah. that are desperate for stuff. Yeah. Um, I, my only thought of why they'd say no way to this is that maybe it's too repetitive for them. Maybe that the riff is just kind of, they get bored by it. I don't, I have no idea. It's got that kind of swampy, like stone thing that he, would come back later on stuff, you know, like let the records play and, and stuff like that. It, it feels like it's in that kind of vein. It's like maybe the, 
the first time he really went for that style. But the I really like the the ending of this too. I think it no way is another one that that gets to a really cool place. And I I'm liking this because it, it's one of the weirder ones. And like I was all yeah. in to the to the weirder Pearl Jam stuff at that point. I was going to say that maybe some of the changes kind of tossed them up a little bit because, you know, the, the, the whole entire time they're doing this repetitive riff and then they kind of go the let's call him an angel kind of thing. And then the little yeah. bit after that, that's sort of the transition back into that main original riff. I wonder if they were just like not feeling that. And the ending, you know, every time that I've heard the ending of this song, it sounded like they had no idea what to do with it, that it kind of just ended abruptly and they couldn't put a final touch on it. And that's what I'm wondering too, if that had something to do with it. Maybe all of these ideas had a little bit to do with it. Maybe it was just stone that said, I don't like the song. Let's move on. Yeah. Cause you got it at, at PJ 20 and I did 2011. Yeah. Where stone complained about it. So yeah. 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 Crowd seems pretty appreciative of it though. they, they they're you know they uh they respond to it so i don't know why they would see that and say oh well you know the crowd likes it so let's try it a little more that wasn't really the case so okay now we're getting back to a little bit of a throwback moment where ed is is going back to the fox theater because he remembered that this one they played there i think it was easter or something and that's at the point where he actually believed in god a long long time ago starts to pluck the intro to rear view mirror says it goes kind of slow and then kind of fast uh i'll let you take rear view mirror here what's uh obviously a song that never goes away so what was your uh enjoyment of it on this night um very very good i remember kind of spacing out during the the jam part there because it's you know this is not like a an eight or ten minute version or anything but you know i i listened to fox theater a million times so i you know i knew every all the inside and all the insides and outsides of that version and being really excited to get this at a at a show because it's definitely one that i've been looking forward to and i think this this version kind of it it gets it meanders a little bit in the jam, it's not like a like a super tight. Like they loosen it up a little bit, and and you know, kind of let it let it breathe and play around with it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think they're definitely. This is another one, kind of like Better Man, and and one more that we're gonna get to later, where they were like, he remembered and was like, oh yeah, because like that version of Rearview Mirror, they not only released it on the Dissident singles, but it was also the B side to the the Dissident seven inch on on the vinyl. So. They definitely, I think, had remembered it being really good, and this is another one where they're trying to to recapture some of that some of that magic from '94. And I think, you know, Better Man may, maybe it gets there, maybe it doesn't. I think this one this one really does. I think it it's a it's a really cool version. Following up on that is Daughter, and then going into Black. And Daughter is all about the tags. We have two REM songs here because Athens, of course, you were living down there at the time, so you had the full understanding of what R.E.M.'s history was and everything. And uh, then we get a song that we mentioned about a couple minutes ago, but I guess we go in order because the first one is Talk About the Passion off Murmur. Everyone can handle the weight of the world. 
yeah, it's the one and only time that they tag the first two here. And then what would happen at, with the other REM song that they did, because that was the debut of this tag, they would end up doing a couple more times within the next two years. So, you know, being an Athens guy, and obviously they're, they're doing it for that. Uh, what you, would you think about, like, kind of hearing this? Did it throw you off? Were you excited about it? Uh, pretty excited. Yeah, I mean, talk about the passion. I mean, you know, I knew Another Brick in the Wall, and I knew WMA, obviously. But it was like I was all about, you know, give me something I'd, I'd never heard before already. Like, give me some some of the weird stuff. Because I'd been, you know, following Five Horizons. I knew kind of what the what the the things were that they were doing. So to get, like something like this and obviously like there might even have been a story that that michael stipe was like on the side of the stage for this like he might have gone down to to see them i remember yet yeah, i knew definitely obviously talk about the passion is is one of their biggest songs and i knew that so that was cool to hear uh the wrong child i don't think i was as familiar with i think that's from it's from green, green. maybe yeah that's green. like a deep cut off of green i really was not familiar with but that's the one it's kind of like ties into more of the theme of daughter. So that's not surprising that they would, he would bring it back a few more times. But the, the coolest thing on this, I think is, you know, the REM stuff is like, okay, you're in, you're in Georgia. It, it's going to happen. We're used to that. But yeah. the, the, all those yesterday's tag, I think is, is really cool. And the, probably the, the best part of this. Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah. I, I wanted to get the REM stuff out of the way so we can yeah. talk about all those yesterdays. And as mentioned before, that was one of the yield songs that they just decided, yeah, not working for us. And I guess because, you know, all the other deep, uh, deep cut yield songs that, you know, they, that they played or sound check that we mentioned before, they're kind of thinking, well, all those yesterdays, why, why not throw this one a bone too? And yeah, he does the whole "There's no crime to escape" part, and it's it's getting pretty fired up. It's getting pretty intense, and and we've seen in the past couple weeks of doing the show, and not just that, but in this tour year as well, where they did all those versus songs in the tag of of daughter. We we saw, I believe, in Denver was the the rats tag, and the rats tag was very very good off of daughter. So we're getting a little bit here and there some idea of like, okay there's some actual Pearl Jam songs outside of WMA that they're tagging and they would never do this again, but still like, this is the kind of thing that gets us really excited for, for talking about shows here because it is so unique to this very moment and we will never talk about it again. That's right. Just, and uh, again, I don't think I appreciated the, the song as much then as I do now, but this is definitely one looking back on it that I, that have a lot more, fondness for and a lot more appreciation for getting it because yeah it's 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 only happened the one time and um you know i've i've seen a couple of, of cool tags in my the few shows that i've been to um but but this one is up there i, I going back and, and seeing it in the video definitely uh brought back a good memory and i i definitely think it's it's one of the coolest moments of the show Stone kind of flubs the beginning of Black, and we get a little of an Ed quip. Oh, that was the first time we ever played that song. Ha, 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 ha. And then we get another lyric change to yeah, kind of fit yeah. the same vibe that we got earlier. I'm surrounded by all of you.
enjoyed being in that atmosphere and seeing the crowd at the show because there was a lot of like you know directing it towards the crowd you know yeah yeah absolutely. i didn't even catch in, in hell hell if he referred to the lucky ones in front i didn't catch I don't that think so. I don't no think so. yeah. this is a passionate version of black though like Ooh. and watching mike on this this is one of those where like i didn't think that mike had gone this insane this early i thought that this was more like okay get us to 2003 versions where mike is true mike mccready and then he's kind of doing all the you know the exorcism kind of stuff and and kind of freaking out and all that and going off of the amps and doing that kind of thing but like this must be a very very early version of of him just getting possessed on this song oh yeah it's it's fantastic and it's you know, he, it, like you said, it wasn't known for being as, you know, soulful and, and passionate and kind of, you know, into the stratosphere as it had been and as it would be again around this time. But, yeah, for whatever reason, you know, he was he was in a mood on this night. You know, they had had, they, they'd been playing a bunch of shows in a row and maybe gotten in a groove with it. I think they had, this is one of the ones that they had played, you know, the previous night. Um, along with you know some of the other ones, but a lot of the other ones were getting played you know every single night. 46 out of 47, 47 out of 47. Black is only 34 times, which is two out of every three. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. Just a an incredible solo that just elevates the song to another level. It's uh, it's really something special.
that, we're getting two more songs in this night, and I think everybody kind of knows what you're going for in Atlanta with this next one to close out Encore 1. Ed kind of gives a shout-out to Mud Honey opening and says, With uh, both Mud Honey and us tonight, it was uh, the Northwest meets the Southeast, and we quite enjoyed the, uh, the altercation. Note from the president. Stop skateboard harassment. You got that down here too, huh? I say stop concert harassment. Since we uh, since we came down through uh, North Carolina last night, and uh, I don't know, I've just sitting and seeing a lot of bit of activity here. I don't want to cause any trouble, but they're pretty damn strict at these places. I would say it almost doesn't feel like rock and roll. But I know the people in the back are having a great time. I'm gonna stop. Ed takes a t-shirt that's thrown up at, at, on the stage and it says, stop skateboarding harassments. It says, well, stop concert harassments too. Apparently North Carolina was really strict with their security and they were turned off by that. So, and that, that kind of leads him to give a little bit of a plug to Wellwater conspiracies. Like, yeah, go check out Matt's record. And I think that's, you know, it always his sign of, respect for Matt at the time. I mean, he's always had this just uh, fondness and respect for him, but like, you know, at that point he wasn't a member of Pearl Jam. He was just back there because they, they needed somebody and he wasn't in Soundgarden anymore. So he's just like, please like help my friend out. You know, if he's going to be in Wellwater conspiracy moving forward, then, you know, they need some love. But, you know, um, yeah, he kind of mentions uh, we're trying to think of what our next record is going to be called. And he mentions something. I don't remember what he said there. What was the did, did you catch that? Because I didn't corporate sellout ass kissers. Uh, that's what. OK. Yep. Okay, well, I completely flubbed that. I completely missed that. And it would make sense that we're going to make it for AT&T as to why you would mention that. And AT&T would be a rival in the future of theirs. So right. kind of nice little tie-in. But really what he was going to say was, one, two, three, four, and then. Was this at the top of your list of songs that you wanted to hear at this show for obvious, obvious reasons? pretty close yeah i mean after you know the the no code stuff and you know the weirder stuff which i was really into at the time yeah another one that that i had listened to from from 94 a billion times um so yeah just immediately thinking like oh here we go this is gonna be this is gonna be cool and if you look at it i don't think i even again realized this at the time obviously you know no way is the no way in east power are the the really two rarest ones from this night but after that you know porch is really the one in 1998 they'd only played this 13 times the whole tour on on that u.s leg yeah so they they had played off he goes more times than this they played dissident more times they played animal more times they played go more times like this is the one of the rarest ones from this year to get and I think that, you know, another one where they definitely, like, again, going back, like, we gotta, you gotta put this on there, because cause the last time they played Atlanta, it was sure. it was something special in trying to in trying to recapture that. Um, and they did get on a little run with it. I think it showed up in, in, uh, in Birmingham and Greenville the next couple of shows as well, so... Well, this, a, it's, it says that this version is the fifth that they played on that tour, and yep. they only had a couple weeks left, so... 
getting it what uh, eight more times yeah. like that's yeah. this might have kind of lit a fire under them to be I like think it yeah, did. yeah. we gotta do it because you you kind of see like Ed goes off to the side and he's kind of he's doing his dancing and he's like being really interactive with the crowd um, he go actually goes out in the crowd and I think it it was kind of a weird ending to this it felt like Matt maybe it, ended it prematurely it feels cut off yeah it does feel cut off or like they maybe were the rest of the band was ready to because Ed's kind of like in the middle of out in the crowd and the song ends he's kind of like oh, okay but yeah on another another really good version you know it, it, it doesn't quite reach the heights that that Fox Theater did but not many versions do so right yeah it, it's there for kind of nostalgic purposes for yeah. sure yeah he's in the crowd I think at one point the uh, uh, you know a fan got to got to kind of do the hayes along with him or something yep. like that yep. so yeah that's that's earlier than the usual I think there's little little bits of benchmarks of things that you know going going back to black too that they didn't necessarily do all the time then but now are staples of the set list and i think kind of going up on top of the crowd and and doing the whole thing like that is is obviously the every night thing in porch now so interesting that it kind of rears its head over here we get an encore two and it's only one song and it's probably pretty obvious of what it's going to be but it says we appreciate you all coming to listen to the music we'll see you all in the new millennium if we survive that long that is and we're getting led better at the end there's some tambourines out and ed you know must must have been in a real good mood because at this point he said actually i'd like to stay during Ledbetter, the, these little like line changes make it s- seem that he was in a real good mood this night, like you yeah. said, yeah, and enjoying the atmosphere, enjoying where he is, and you know, only if they thought about, only if they thought that about Atlanta now, John, where would they be? Oh, if only I could have, I could have seen them a few more times, definitely in in the in the years prior, but um, yeah, I really, I really like this too. I remember, you know, again, Yellow Ledbetter is is a b-side and you know again it's ubiquitous now like people are you know people are kind of you hear some people that are tired of it but at the time it was like on still on the way up you know this is only the the 69th performance still hadn't hadn't reached 100 um so i was yeah i was definitely excited to hear it and like you it gets a nice crowd reaction people are pumping their fists to it and like singing along so um it it definitely had that like thank you from the band to the crowd i remember you know leaving with uh with a much different mindset than i went into it with and that's going to close out our show i don't know what to follow up with that on uh yeah i think that yeah ledbetter was definitely in that point uh very highly sought after and probably because of the b-side factor everybody thought it was super rare to get but it's also the radio kind of single too and now it's just sort of inevitable and people kind of know when it's coming. And there are some people that will live and die with this, that if Ledbetter doesn't close a set, they'll like, they'll lose their mind. And while I get that, it's, you know, that's a big disservice to in, indifference and any of the Babas or free worlds or anything like that, that have closed shows too. But you know, I, I I get it because it is one of those iconic Pearl Jam songs that people can't seem to get rid of, and you know it it, it must be for nostalgic factors too. You know, just going back to hearing this at, at an early point and and sticking with it. So, well, I, I will say that my you know my my good mood, my 
change in mindset was, was short-lived because I remember on the way, like going back to my car, you know, leaving the show, walking the mile or whatever back to the the this patch of grass that I had parked in. And I don't remember if my car had been broken into or if my car wouldn't start. There was some issue with my car, and I must have, like, blocked this out uh, from being, like, because it was so kind of a traumatic memory. But I think I was in Atlanta until probably 1 or 2 in the morning dealing with my car situation and didn't get back to Athens until super, super late uh, the in the morning. So It wasn't a break-in? I don't remember. I don't remember if, if, someone, if someone broke in or if, if it just wouldn't start. I, for the life of me, I've been thinking about it all week. Like, I just can't remember what the issue was with the car, but there was an issue because I think I was, I was driving like a, a 1978 Cutlass Supreme or something, just a shitty car. And there was some issue with it that I had, I was like one of the last people out on the, on the night. It was, it was a, again, another kind of, bummer of a of a closing out to uh to another was really good show well yeah that's uh you know usually most people would be like oh man i'm on such a high here and i bought tickets yeah, to yeah. the next five shows and yeah that's uh yeah and then you didn't see him again for you know more than a decade years yep yep but it has a happy story to it because you're here now right yep get to talk about it again it was yeah, it was it was great going back and watching it. It had been a long time since I had uh, had gone back and watched this, and I remember this was one of the the first ones the that I remember kind of seeing and downloading when the when the Napster Soulseek era hit. I was like, oh, I gotta find a I gotta find that a copy of that Atlanta show, and there was a video going around. So I've, I'd watched it a lot back then, but I probably hadn't watched this in probably ten or fifteen years. So it was uh it was nice to go back and and relive it. Just like everybody that kind of sends in their stories and stuff. Yep. Yeah, that's yep. that's the point of the show. All right. Uh, I believe I'm first on this because it doesn't make any sense for me to go second because there's no you know, dramatic feel to it with me. So my top three moments are going to be No Way at number three. I got Shit at number two. And Brain of Jay, surprise, surprise, mm. is number one at this show. Right on. Uh, I'm going to put no way at number three. Uh, I'm going to put off he goes at number two and yeast power is, is number one. I thought that you would go that direction for yeast power. Yeah. Okay. Rating on it. Um, there are some cool things like the yeast power and no way. And some of the other performances are very, very good from this. And I'm, I'm in an 8.5 with this. I like the show. This is a very good show. Cool. Cool. Um, that, that, that's, that's good. And I, I fully realized that, that this is not considered a, a classic Pearl Jam show, but it really, um, meant a lot to me at the time. And it was important, uh, looking back on it, uh, some of the things I really enjoyed, I have to give it a 10. I can't, yeah, that's, I wouldn't have expected anything. Yeah. Else. You know, I realize uh, you know, objectively it's probably more in that eight, 8.5 range, but being my first show, being kind of the culmination of the the previous you know six or seven years of fandom, um, I, I got to give it a ten. There you have it, everybody. Right from the horse's mouth, right from the debut, and you'll never get to cover your debut show ever again. How does that make you feel? 
uh, it's 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 fine. I've got a, I've got a couple more that we haven't gotten to yet, so I just have to look forward to the next one. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that Columbia 2016. That Atlanta. What what festival was that in 2012? Music, music Midtown. Midtown. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we still got to talk about Hartford 2013 for me. So it's mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it's, yeah. I bet you we're we're on an even plane at some point, but. However, having said that, we have talked about it and talked about it and talked about it at length for the last month and a half or so. Next week is episode number 200. We have gotten there. And there's a big asterisk next to it because for a lot of reasons, uh, we've actually covered way more than 200 shows. It's probably like past 230 at this point, you know, including all of the bridge school and everything else that we've done for Patreon. You know, we, I think we did off ramp and one of the yeah. piss bottle men shows and red rock shows over there. And so it's, it's, it's beefed up a little bit. And then at the very beginning of the show's existence, we counted episode numbers for some episodes that didn't actually hold shows on. So there's a little bit of a weird asterisk in either direction. However, If you're counting by the numbers, this is our 200th episode. And for that, we're going to kind of kill a couple birds with the stone here because it's going to be a one-year anniversary in this retrospect because last year around this time, everybody was getting real hyped up to go to See Here Now, the first Pearl Jam show in three years since Fenway Night 2 on September 4th of 2018. We went through a whole entire pandemic and people were just itching to get to that point. And finally, we had got it. Finally, we had got the Gigaton songs and I was there. So I wanted to tell the story and it's a perfect way to get into a 200th episode celebration here. So it's our first ever from the Gigaton era. We can cross off some songs like Dance of the Clairvoyance and Quick Escape and Super Blood Wolf Moon that we obviously wouldn't have covered in any other scenario. And I'm going to guess at some point, you know, very soon we'll have all of those gigaton songs kind of under our belt because we will probably end up doing a little bit more at the end of the year too to kind of recap some of the best shows from 2022. So keep that in mind if you want to, you know, put it to a vote, then we're open to do that. But yeah, uh, going back to this, I think there's going to be a lot of stories. There will also be an extra episode that'll be out the Monday that is before the episode usually comes out on the Wednesday, where it'll be me and Dave Jantash from Live Footsteps and Chris Everett from building our website and Dave Ruthman from being a good friend, Dave Ruthman. He doesn't have another title in the Pearl Jam universe, so <laughs> he's just a good friend. And we were all there at See Here Now together and had some great experiences. And it kind of led to a nice little brothership moment for for the bunch of us. And, you know, especially after all that time and not seeing them, it was was definitely something needed. So we all got together and, and got to talk about it. So that will be out very, very soon. And See Here Now will be the 200th episode. How about that, John? Pretty cool. So it's a nice, uh, nice milestone, but we got We still got a long way to go. Too long. Yeah, I think there's, what, 1,045 shows, something like that, going up into, I don't I, I have not counted, especially adding in the two, 2022 kind of shows. Maybe we'll do a, we'll do a big board update after, after 200 and see where we're at. That'd be cool, yeah. Yep. Uh, I know that you like to do that at the end of the year, at like December or some point, but yeah, that would be cool to do that here yeah. for sure. 
Yeah. Okay. So hopefully everybody here is enjoying all the shows. If you have stories that you want to share with us, please email us at live on four legs podcast at gmail.com. We're also taking writing submissions for live on four legs.com. If you want to tell your story of going on tour and seeing some things and, and, you know, meeting people and, and getting to experience the music first and foremost, then please feel free to put in a submission. We're excited. We love the ones that we got for the European tour stuff and also for the West Coast stuff as well. Uh, people doing a very, very good job with this, and they're you know passionate about this as well. So if that's something, if you were at all the Canadian shows or if you, you're doing the Louisville and, and Nashville and St. Louis run and you want to talk about it and tell your story, then please feel free to put a submission in for liveonfourlegs.com. We'll be excited to read and accept that. And yeah, uh, we'll, we'll just keep going on and doing the reaction stuff over at Patreon. So again, you know, we're not done yet. We'll have a few weeks to go, but we'll have a full recap when we really get to this in, in, in due time. So I know that we haven't talked about the shows at length in major episodes yet, but we will get to that probably at the end of the month of December. So, all right. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already. I miss you always. Remember, it's open for everybody. If you want to go on Apple Podcasts, if that's where you're subscribed to the podcast, or if you're not, then please do head on over, give us the five-star rating, and leave a little comment, and we will send you a nice gift, a bootleg from 2022 as a little thank you for pitching in and helping us out. And if you're on Spotify, well, you can't leave us a comment on Spotify. They haven't put in that technology yet, but you can give us a five-star rating over there and let us know that you like the stuff and let everybody else know too, because that is how this all happens. Word of mouth. If you're on the tour, if you're, if you're, you know, talking to people in GA line and merch line and you're like, Hey, I listen to this podcast and they do this and this and this, then that's how this is going to spread around, especially this time of year tour time. Okay. That wraps this up. Happy birthday, John. We'll see you next week for episode number 200. Check out that album, Corporate Sellout Ass Kishers. It's not as bad as you might think. We're the Yeasty Girls, and we got yeast power. power. We don't shave our armpits, and we don't shower. We don't say thank you, and we don't say please. With things in our vaginas that you wouldn't believe. believe. We're not your babies, and we're not your dolls. And we don't give a shit about your blue balls. Don't care about your biceps, don't care about your dick. And when you open up your mouth, you make us all feel sick. We're the Yeasty Girls. We're the hottest in the land because we are the very first of the vagina core band. So if you want to join us, got to do one thing. Grab onto your vagina and shout and sing. Yeast! Power! Yeast! Power!